Welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman, but you can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. Now, Q, you've had a quite momentous week this last week. It's a, a big life-changing event. Oh, just so tired here, H. Oh, I can barely <laughs> stand. Oh my God. <laughs> My boyhood dream of going to E3 came true, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> that is absolutely the most important thing that happened to you last week, so... Uh... <laughs> um, no, so no. tell me about E3. Like, this is really... Uh... Oh, okay, we can continue to bury the lead here. Yes, last week I went to <laughs> E3, and um, it was my first time ever going to E3, and I, I hmm. was in the special opportunity of being able to be there with uh ign uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to just being one of the uh, i think we called them filthy blue badgers these are the public people <laughs> who paid for their ticket to, to get to e3 mm-hmm. yeah it was amazing it was super exhausting at the same time i was working the booth a lot doing graphics for our stage show but it was a ton of fun I didn't get to play many games i got to see a bunch of stuff and it was very weird kind of being at e3 and being away from the reactions of my typical social circle because mm-hmm. I was so busy with everything else. So I, I normally I think I would be texting you or Sandy and Yana, you know, just people going, Hey, like, what do you think about this announcement and that? And here I was just like filling in graphics very quickly to prepare <laughs> them for the next day. But um, I think the thing you're talking about is, and this is literally the story um, I got off the plane from E3 and I was traveling at E3 with an engagement ring on me. Cause you never know who you're going to run into. You never know. If I saw, if I saw Reggie, I was going to pull the trigger. <laughs> um, no. So, uh, I was planning on proposing, um, there's actually another podcast I listen to that I love called my brother, my brother and me. Mm-hmm. And they, they were doing a live show in San Francisco. So I was going to do this big uh, to do and propose at this live show. But um, it didn't. Which one up... of the McElroy brothers would you have been uh, proposing to? <laughs> I was going to be proposing to my girlfriend, Jessica. Uh, oh. But it would be Griffin if I had to pick one, of course. Maybe Justin. Maybe Justin or Griffin. Um, I see it's tough because because uh, Justin and Travis sound so much alike that you'd hate to uh, to have one of those. <laughs> You know, one, of, mix ups one of those mix-ups luckily you can really easily tell in person which one is which <laughs> yes um so they have a moment in intermission where they're like okay go ahead write in your question and we'll we'll read it and so i put in this question i'm like hey when's the you know i'm i'm moving when should i propose to my girlfriend just like a, i forget the exact wording mm. but it was a setup to basically for them to go now you should propose now they did not read my question and my heart sunk. Mm. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, it's not happening here in this big dramatic fashion. Then after the show was out, um, we were very close to uh, Yerba Buena, uh, which is a beautiful sort of gardens area in San Francisco. And I said, hey, you know, Jess, do you want to go get 
dinner over at Yerba Buena. That could be nice. And she thought about it for a second. She was like, I'm not hungry. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Plan A, plan B. That's all out the window. But I knew I wanted to, before I got back into my apartment and back home, really, for the first time after E3, I wanted to do it. So we went to this little, and I'll, I know we have to start the show, so I'll keep it uh, brief, but we went to this other place. Yeah, really speed through this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we went to a place called Murphy Street, which is in downtown Sunnyvale. It's very cute mm-hmm. during the day. It has a farmer's market. And when we got there, it was filled with drunkards singing karaoke very loudly <laughs> and a person asleep on a bench. So <laughs> I said, okay, it's not happening here. Uh, Mind you, the whole car ride home, which was about an hour, I'm just sitting in silence with cold, clammy hands. I'm totally in my own Mm -hmm. head. Um, And she even asked me, she's like, are you mad? (laughs) I I felt bad. Um, I mean, yes, you would have been mad at that point. I would have been at least. Well, I I was more panicky, I think, than mad. And then finally, um, we got back home and it was quiet. It was uh, about 1040, 1045 at night. You were the only drunkard that was doing karaoke at that point, so it's acceptable. <laughs> That's right. Um, and I uh, I showed, I kind of took out my phone. I said, hey, here's the question I was going to give the McElroys. And this was right in front of our apartment. And as she was reading it, I took out the ring and uh, got down on one knee and asked the question. And actually, I was so nervous. I started crying a little bit. <laughs> not not like a loud sob, just, you know, a, a single tear. I was like, oh, my God, you know. I knew she was going to say yes. She did say yes, but I was just so damn nervous and inside my own head and and excited to, to get to do it. And so, yeah, I'm an engaged man. Holy cow. (laughs) That's wonderful. That's, that's really great. (laughs) Thank you very much. Way to go. It happened on your watch. So somehow you got to play a part. part That's exciting. Well, congratulations. And I'm sure that all of our, uh, all of our listeners are, Happy to hear that as well. <laughs> I promise I will do in over the next uh, season two, year two of Playwright as few wedding based pitches as possible. I will not. <laughs> I don't feel like there's enough wedding based games. So maybe, <laughs> maybe this is an opportunity to explore. That's true. Although we'll know that when we start getting an influx of baby related games that, oh. uh, and now some shit's going down. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I will keep it to a minimum, but I can't promise anything. All right. Well, um, I guess while you're going, while you're storytelling, why don't you give us a video game pitch for today? Okay. So my pitch this week is a little bit inspired by some Netflix binging. I want to pitch to you a queer eye video game uh think of this as a game that is almost like a strategy slash uh simulator that would take place before the dating simulator so Uh (laughs) you would have um people who and this could all happen kind of 2d maybe anime style um sort of dumpy normal guys uh (laughs) all have applications that they send in or their partners send in and you the queer eye crew have to select which guy you're going to transform their life uh and you go through the rounds of taking them shopping teaching them how to cook uh giving them a haircut and all the while you're kind of paying attention to the feedback they're giving you 
and trying to make sure that you end up with something that both um, is going to be uh, fashion forward and exciting for everyone else, but also something that they like and feel comfortable in. And maybe you end up even giving them some relationship advice along the way. So it's weird. There's probably a lot of ways we can take it, but that is the pitch. All right, starting the clock. So you introduce this as a strategy game. When I hear that, I think about like <laughs> troop movement, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics or yeah, Fire Emblem or something where it's a very, um, you know, I, I'd imagine a time management uh, mm-hmm. would be an appropriate thing to add into this strategy wise. But like, what, what are you thinking when it comes to strategy? What makes you attach that word to it? Well, I think that it would, I'm, I'm almost trying to think of the strategy as, let's say that there's different modes um, and I, I planned in my head maybe that the shopping aspect would be most like a strategy game where you're trying to sort of keep the person from wandering off and get them to the aisles that you need them to. It almost sounds like tower defense at that point, um, <laughs> trying to get them to have the, the correct flow through the store. But really the strategy layer to me was in kind of looking at the application, looking at not only what the the person who needs help wants but what their significant other wants or maybe what their uh community is telling them that they need and you're trying to match those expectations so i guess maybe more of a feeling like a conversation slash dating sim than a strategy game but maybe we can add some strategy stuff to it like what what could we do there so you can uh i guess you can get into the aspects of resource management maybe you have to like make all of these fashion things. This gets really close to one of our earlier pitches in which we did a VR like fashion simulator, kind of like a, uh, what is that? A Nintendo 3DS series of games. It's, uh, Oh, style savvy. That's the one style savvy. Yeah. We pitched basically a VR version of that where you're making dresses and you're cutting hair and you're um, I don't know, shaving were necessary. I'm not really sure what would all go into a fashion video game, but uh, I guess let's really lean into the strategy side of things and see if we can make an interesting Fire Emblem tactics style game out of uh, basically preparing someone for social acceptability. <laughs> <laughs> what if there could be a uh, a sort of tactics layer that is maybe heading off or defeating somebody's bad habits or their vices that are maybe anthropomorphized in some way on the battlefield. And so like every time that your, your makeover person is having this moment of self doubt or they're slipping back into a bad habit, you kind of go into that battle mode and you're, you're literally trying to uh, fight off the demons. Okay. So there's like an aspect of persona in this. It's almost like an escort quest where you want someone Mm. to get from one end of the battlefield, so to speak, to the other, which would be like a hair salon or something like that, and maybe be trying to like distract them from all of the like alcohol adverts or the, I don't know, attractive women walking the other way or something. I'm not really (laughs) sure what would be, what would, uh, what this would entail. Sure. Yeah. Um, that could be interesting. And I, One of the things that I was thinking back on your sort of makeover game um, Mm -hmm. and thinking about how that could, this maybe feels in a way like an expansion to it or something. But one of the things I don't feel like 
has been captured or I would add on to that is Queer Eye also has an aspect to it that is redoing the person's house. And I know that there's a popular mm-hmm. game that's been circulating around where you sort of, it's like house flipping simulator or something like that. I forget the name of it, but this is gaining traction and popularity on Steam where you're kind of going around a house and doing demo um, and literally trying to improve it so that you can sell it back on the market, which I think would also work well in VR. But maybe because the the Queer Eye show does deal in also the house makeover plus the person makeover, I'm thinking that some of it is time management, right? Like, say you have three days to like, okay, fix this person's house. And let's say the house can make very slow progress without you, but you can kind of take control of the person doing house demo and get things done much faster. And you're you're constantly swapping between each uh, character and trying to get the tasks done uh, all against the clock by some deadline for these people. Yeah, it's interesting. That's like Persona, again, in a way, where you have only a certain number of days, and uh, you can only hang out with like one or two people per day, and so you really have to prioritize where you spend your time and what you do with it. You know what's funny about that is that there's a couple Persona references in here, And in my head, I don't like those Persona games, but maybe I do based on what you're saying. (laughs) Have you ever played a Persona before? I played Persona 4 Golden for like a few hours and I thought the combat was cool, but I'm kind of bad at like the JRPG conversation uh, relationship mechanic stuff. Wow, You like the combat and you don't like the JRPG stuff. That's like (laughs) the opposite of Persona fans who just kind of like tolerate the combat. I really like the relationship building stuff. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not for you. (laughs) There could also be like an aspect of uh, Darkest Dungeon where you're preparing a series of uh, characters to Mm. encounter these challenges. And it's almost like a little bit of a gamble. Like you spend a certain amount of money, like equipping them with things beforehand in hopes that what they're going to encounter is, you know, this is going to be something that counteracts the negative effects of what they encounter. So I don't know if there's an aspect of uh, maybe finding a more powerful scarf to be more attractive or something, or <laughs> I'm, I'm not really sure. Well, I think what's interesting is when you, I don't know, have you seen this new Queer Eye show that Netflix is, is I rebooted? No. I think you would like it. I think it's a very likable show. Um, they have it split amongst five members of the cast Uh, One does kind of teaching the person how to cook and getting them to explore food. One does uh, clothing. One does uh, the house over. Another one does the sort of hair care is very specific and male grooming. Uh, And then the last one, which I think could be the most ripe for adding. Imagine each of these are different sort of mini games that you could play. Uh, The last one, Karamo, I think his name is, is the confidence guy. And that is so, uh, I, you know, I don't think they gave him a very good concrete job on the show, but it's so unquantifiable. I think that's the place where you could do like an abstract interpretation. So I think that there's something there that that could be your strategy game. And then the, you know, the house guy could feel like the, the home flipper, 
mm-hmm. the grooming could have that sort of we bring in our VR hair tech from your game and <laughs> repurpose it here. Um, and then the food guy could be maybe a, a, that's a shopping thing or that's a like a little cooking simulator. Maybe even if it, it's just a, a swipeable sort of quick game like that Sushi Striker, um, which is very good, by the way, on, on Nintendo Switch. So you have these five different tasks that you have to manage all at once. It's interesting, but I feel like the weakness is that if you have five characters and five tasks that need to be done, then you just assign one character per task in each turn. It doesn't feel like you're making any sacrifices to get what you need to get done done. So I want some some choices that you have to make, some things you have to choose between, like a synergy or an anti-synergy where making a choice with one person maybe prevents you from uh, doing a necessary step with another person. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's really good. So maybe if you, <laughs> I don't know, if you take them shopping and they're like, well, I like pastas or something, then they're going to put on weight and they're not going to fit into the clothes guy's clothes. Is that sort of the interplay that you're thinking about there? Well, the thing is, okay, so let's say you have a clothes guy, and you have a uh, food guy. If your food guy, I mean, your food guy's goal is to make the person eat healthier, which would actually make the clothes guy's job easier. I, I, I would, I think it would be more interesting if doing well on any one of these things makes the other ones harder. So you're always kind of doing like a balancing act or uh. maybe fully, you know, but, uh, Making healthy choices usually enables other healthy choices to be made. So I don't really know how the metaphor would work in this situation. (laughs) Well, when I went back to the, or if I go back to the idea of time management, let's say that for whatever reason, the person that you're working with, um, the applicant, uh, can very quickly exist in any one of the places that you need to at a time. And, you know, you can only... You can only shop for so long. You can only uh, reconstruct the house for so long. You can only groom for so long. And there's never enough time to like fully do everything to 100%. Maybe you're only able to get, you know, one or two of these things really on. And then the rest are all compromises. And the end result is graded, you know, against the little reveal moment with the audience and the tour of the house and the whole thing. So what you end up with is always this kind of imperfect solution. And it's just a matter of like how you choose to spend your resources and your time. Maybe there's a budget associated with this stuff too. Um, And each person is just improved uh, only to the degree that you're able to manage those resources. Okay. So I see it's like a resource management game. That's interesting. I think there's definitely ways that can be, expanded upon but we are out of time right now so we have to come up with a name well the easy thing would be queer eye the game but maybe there's a more fun pun that we can do there i I feel like there are puns waiting for us here (laughs) yeah could you do lgbt cute (laughs) cute at the end is that yeah that's very (laughs) dumb um what oh ready for this Mm -hmm. man made (laughs) All right. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Man-made. We did it. What do we have next? My pitch. Today, I'm going to pitch a very simple idea. This is chess, 
but with dynamic or uneven battlefields. And so this is something like many of the ideas that we've done before. I'm not, uh, I'm not drawing from an entirely uh, new well here, but... Uh, it's year two, folks. Buckle up. We're going to have some of the old ideas. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's basically like a, like a naturalistic battlefield, but every character kind of obeys chess rules. And so whether it's like a Fire Emblem type thing or, or whatever, you know, it is uh, every character kind of does the, the regular chess movements. So uh, let's see how we make, make that interesting. Start the clock. Well, I think because, uh, thankfully, you pitched something that is way more rooted in what feels like a video game to me uh, than my weird thing, there's a lot we can do with this. I love the idea of controlling uh, troops that are pawns and knights and stuff and having them move through something that feels like a map with topography and water and not resources, but um, sort of natural barriers and potentially to be playing almost a Civ-like game of taking points or defending things. Mm -hmm. I assume maybe that you're thinking that you can move backwards or forwards. There's kind of no penalty for that, or can can pawns still only march forward here? I don't know, because there are most of the pieces on a chessboard can move backwards. So if it's only like the, the infantry that has that restriction, then maybe that doesn't need to be abolished necessarily. Yeah, I even like the idea of bringing in some MOBA aspects to this and having your pawns almost be creeps, um, that there's just kind of waves of them. Be creeps? Are, <laughs> yeah, to be creeps. Uh, hey, baby. <laughs> hey, 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 I love this little pond you got going over here. <laughs> yeah, for, for, I mean, they're reasonably expendable, right? Maybe they're just mm-hmm. always pushing forward, um, but you you kind of, from your base or your camp, um, could be spawning new rows of them to come out mm. every once in a while. And then you always have this sort of small, uh, you know, could be useful, could be expendable resource that you're managing. The only thing that would really make this interesting and identifiable as chess is the uh, knight pieces because they have such a weird movement pattern. Mm. I feel like uh, the rooks or even the bishops, you know, they they have such like a natural way of moving uh, I mean, it's restricted still, but it's not something that you wouldn't see in a regular game. Like, sure. How do we really leverage this and make this like different than other strategy games? Well, one of the things I think that would make it different, and this is pulling it straight from chess, is literally the idea of knocking, you know, everybody's kind of a one hit kill still. Mm, yeah. If the second that you introduce that and you show people occupying spaces and being kicked out of those spaces with maybe some mechanic that isn't tied to reaching the other side of the board that would cause a resurrection. Maybe it's defeating enough of those endlessly spawning pawns. Um, and then you kind of build up points to execute abilities. Um, that would be kind of player controlled rather than any particular chess piece, or you can spend those points on, bringing a piece back from the dead. And so now you have something that feels very much like chess, but uh, you can get yourself into kind of a mess and rescue yourself from it. Then, of course, as you have barriers, maybe the bridge is in the wrong spot so a bishop can't cross it or something like that where you really have to think on your feet to get your 
troops to where you need them to be. Right. Depending on the topography, you know, something where a unit that would normally be flexible like a rook is, you know, it's a death trap because there's just enough of those diagonal angles to to yeah. mess it up. Let's say that the map is has some natural topography, but along with that topography, you almost get tiles that still feel like they're of one sort of color or another, mm -hmm. and that restricts your character to those colors. So you might find different parts of the map that are advantageous to one color versus another color based on mm. uh, what the movement looks like there. It kind of opens up some level of expression that would still, you know, when you see it immediately, still read as chess. You have this big natural world that you move throughout with these chess moves, but then the uh, the bonus stages could be more abstract, almost like M.C. Escher spaces, where yeah. they kind of like fold into themselves. So then you really have to play like four-dimensional chess. Like you really have to think about these kind of impossible loops that the characters can make and you know watch behind you as much as in front of you that would be kind of an interesting twist as well these uh abstract 3d weird chess boards yeah and i don't know why when i think about this map and i start thinking about civ 5 and 6 i start thinking about hexagonal pieces and it makes me go what would chess look or feel like if you started doing mm. hexagons i i don't even know if that's a thing but maybe this game could figure out how to incorporate that in some way. That'd be interesting. You'd really have to uh, like rethink the moves that the pawn could make. Right, right. Suddenly, its range of expression is pretty powerful, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that could be really interesting. Trapping a king would be, would be tougher. Maybe you just have a basic chess game with basic chess rules, but it sets up all these scenarios like, you know, a board with obstacles, like we talked about in the beginning, like an MC Escher board, like a hexagonal board, but you still have to play with the regular chess rules. And so it's basically like getting thrown into a weird scenario and having to think on your feet and uh, figure out how to win a chess game against these strange odds. Yeah, I love the idea of spawning in kind of that 3D chess because, you know, Chess is often expressed as a 2D thing. It is kind of a 2D game. You know, video game space lets us do weird stuff. So maybe you could have a, imagine a chessboard that had a reverse side <laughs> that you could kind of march hmm. your way onto the back of. And in every level, uh, you know, you have a, what does a chess game feel like if you wrap the whole thing into an almost cylindrical shape even yeah, like if it's those a mario galaxy levels <laughs> yeah like even if it's a standard game of chess just by nature of perspective and warping it actually makes it a lot harder to read it's almost like teaching you how to read different polygons and geometries as much as yeah. it is the game of chess and you've seen we there's been a few games that have uh, experimented with spaces that are more than three dimensions and uh, they often look really weird like you're standing in one space and basically you can kind of like drag two realities into that space and kind of uh, use the uh, shifting of uh, of dimensions to transport yourself somewhere else, kind of. I don't know. It's really hard to explain, but uh, there's there's been a few games. And I wish I could come prepared with their names, um, but a few games that have done that. And so, yeah, I don't know. That seems a little bit too abstract uh, to make a chess game out of. I, I would like if you can really see 
everything, even if it takes some swiveling of the camera, I'd be able to see everything. And uh, anyone who who can play chess can figure this out. But uh, yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of places you can go with this. Yeah, especially if you took the standard chessboard, you add in some of that strangeness of the topography. Maybe you make it even a little bit larger than a standard chessboard. And then you even did something really simple, like uh, any square that somebody is defeated on, like drops out of space. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, now all of a sudden that isn't available anymore. And the game is like totally the whole flow of how you think about the battlefield totally changes. So you start with a larger than life chessboard. You're like, Oh, there's too many spaces here. Um, and then you, uh, like take away things slowly over time. That could be interesting as well. Maybe you want some of your pawns to get killed because that'll create like a barricade to protect the King. (laughs) Sure. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting idea. And of course you could do, Games that are more than two players at a time, you can have three or four players all on the same battlefield, all with their chess moves and chess pieces trying to get to one another. And I I like the idea of bringing in, you know, the option to have a mode that is that speed chest mode where everybody is kind of like slapping the timer after they make their move. And the idea is to to play it as fast as possible. That's all the time that we have for that one. Let's come up with a name. I'll propose Chess Quest, like the uh, the famous Doom clone that I grew up playing. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I can't wait to go on this quest. All right, there we go. Chess Quest. Anyways, we're coming back with a submission from the listeners. This comes from Spencer. Not a huge fan of the descriptor sauntering, but that doesn't uh, <laughs> but doesn't actually know if he has a say in picking his nickname Saunders. That's fair if he doesn't like it. There's no need to burden burden him with it. What if I what if I flip it? Okay, I'm gonna hear it. This is for you, Spencer. But please know, everyone that gets a nickname, we're not gonna keep redoing your nickname. I will pull back into my youth into something that I think a word we're all fond of. Super. Spencer Saunders. <laughs> now, of course, uh, Spencer is famous for sending us pictures, so maybe the name Spencer's Gifts would be appropriate. Mmm, love it. <laughs> Anyways, whatever your name is, Spencer Saunders, he writes in, I just watched Moana last night, so most of this pitch was inspired by that. I'll keep this short. A Souls-like set in a Mad Max-style world, but on boats. Also, there should be musical numbers, but they aren't a part of the gameplay, so no, this can't be a rhythm game. Except maybe (laughs) during boss battles, that could be cool. And we'll start the clock. This is a really good idea. Like, why hasn't this... I mean, this is kind of Sea of Thieves in a way, right? Sure, a little bit. It's also a little bit skull and bones, right? That Ubisoft well, that's is a little bit Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is cool though. So let's let's think about, you know, Sea of Thieves is very much about like sailing around with a crew of, I don't know, like four other people or something and all manning this giant ship. What if this was like a Wind Waker style, you know, you have a one-man boat uh, you know, manageable by one person. This is a single player adventure. And basically you're just like a, uh, not a pirate. You're not like roaming the seas, but you are performing pirate-like actions. You are attacking other ships. You are taking things that don't belong to you. Mm-hmm. I guess you're a pirate. 
but you're a very uh, <laughs> modest pirate, pirate with just a, you know, a, a little tiny boat and just hauling out to get treasure. Yeah, this Mad Max comparison is really good. The desert is a hostile place and so is the ocean. You know, I think what Spencer is tapping into here is something hasn't been considered, which is all the pirate games that are out right now or coming out are about the, and, and even Sid Meier's Pirates are about the fantasy of how wonderful it is to be a pirate, right? Um, and mm-hmm. there's no, like Dark Souls has so many concepts like uh, disease and uh, discovering random player, almost literally messages in a bottle um, and, uh, ending up in very kind of unfriendly, hostile places that I think would actually probably be more authentic to what it's like to be a pirate. <laughs> yeah. I think that this is cool. And, and I would love the idea if maybe if the boat felt less like Wind Waker to me in my head, and it almost feels like, um, the one man sea of thieves boat where mm, okay. when you do, you know, undergo an attack or you take somebody out that you're, you're actually in, you have to invest a ton of time slash infrastructure to maintain the boat. It's almost like the boat is your character in that sense and needs to be healed or like you won't be able to get the boat back again and you have to go figure out how to steal another boat or something. I do want to caution us. Are we getting close to just making uh, Waterworld? Is that that, uh, that movie. Oh, I mean, if we are, congratulations to us because Waterworld is fantastic. Are you sure about that? It's pretty, uh, pretty well remembered as being one of the like worst movies ever made. I mean, uh, in my heart, Waterworld forever. That's okay. You can yeah. we can as as long as in the character creator, I can put on webbed feet. Then yes, this can be a Waterworld game. So the thing about Mad Max that makes it work as an open world game is that if you are. Um, if your car gets blown to bits or if you just need to do a little bit of scouting about, then you can get out of the car and walk around and that works. In uh, in the water, it doesn't really work the same way. You can swim to an extent and maybe that's interesting. Maybe most of the exploring takes place underwater, so maybe this is fine. Uh, but, you know, to me, it just it feels like like the water is something that really like slows you down and prevents you from doing that on foot exploration. But maybe, yeah, maybe, you know, that's okay that you have a vehicle and you are dependent on that vehicle because it's kind of your home base. You take it around, you get in fights with other vehicles and then when they lose, they sink. And so it's, uh, you have to dive underwater and And collect what you can from them from uh, underwater. So yeah, maybe that actually works out. And then there's a bunch of creatures and stuff that are obviously threatening, uh, even on the journey to retrieve stuff. I feel like to, up until this point, maybe this has just been me, kind of assuming in our heads we all have, because of the, you know, just fiction and because of the games that are out right now, we have these wooden ships in our mind. If this is truly Mad Max, I love the idea of these ships feeling like patchwork aluminums and yeah. metals and being really, you know, rusted and nasty looking. And for these yeah. things to almost feel like, you know, it, <laughs> in the post-apocalypse, it was a desert. In the post-post-apocalypse, you know, Ice Age took over and then everything melted and everything was ocean. And so everyone had these like war boats, essentially, that they were uh, on. Doing that, I think, could give you a lot of options in terms of 
the weird post-futurism weaponry and stuff that you could attach to this boat and mm. and have at your disposal potentially i guess you could salvage like weapons and armor from other boats and then find you know safe places where you can attach them to your own boat whether they're like a jet ski something light and nimble or whether it's something a little bit more heavy duty like a like a motorboat with guns and harpoons yeah, I guess nautical themed weapons would be more fun, uh, a fun way to take this. Yes. And now we're getting closer to Waterworld, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. And there would so be a lot of piss drinking naturally. Yes. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's the other thing that I think is cool is I don't know what is Souls has some aspect of like managing your humanity, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder if this game could like in that is almost like fresh water is is that Mm. management because you're potentially not going to have access to a lot of it so your times when you're you're shoring up on land is probably to go find stuff to stay alive if there's kind of survival aspects to all of this essentially like land is so much more dangerous maybe that's where yeah, and, exactly. and the major islands are where all the bosses live. And then you're hunting them down on each of these islands as well as like progressing through the open water. Yeah, because if you think like the whole world floods, then the rare spaces that are, you know, still land, everything is competing for that space. So it's really only the strongest animals or creatures or whatever that are going to survive there. So obviously they're going to be the biggest threat to you when you land. Yeah, and this is a great excuse for us to do and take the, I say us, <laughs> to take the Soulsian design or even the Bloodbornean design of bosses and apply it to hmm. sort of mutated sea creatures. Like, talk about <laughs> talk about From Software being able to design a, a Kraken. That would be really cool. Or From Software doing some sort of land shark crocodile thing. All of that would be really hmm. neat. Or even like any type of creature, like a... Uh... A giant enemy crab. <laughs> yeah, sure. Or one of those uh, like giant sloths that you see in museums. Yeah. I think that there, there's just a big palette to paint with here. So th- this is a cool, cool... I'm just, I, my mind's just dancing with ideas. What, what else can we do? Let's think about the undersea exploration. I don't want it to be quite as in-depth as something like... Uh, uh, what is that? Subnautica? Is that the game that you really like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, that feels like the undersea space is the main attraction and you can eventually get to the point where you spend like all of your time underwater. And I still want underwater to be kind of like a scary place to go and a place that you don't want to spend more time than you have to. Yeah, I think maybe you you limit the range of ex- expression underwater. So maybe it's swimming, it's, you know, oxygen or oxygen management. And then, of course, um, your harpoon. You know, something very simple mm-hmm. and the harpoon could either be used to uh, maybe depending on what you load on it, you could use it to maybe defeat one or two, you know, small to mediumish creatures or potentially if there is a sort of a, a harpoon with a some sort of string or wire attachment and you could use it to cover a large distance in the water by like attaching yourself uh, to the fin of a larger creature. That could be very interesting. You know, a harpoon really is a really cool weapon for a souls type game because you can use it like a melee weapon, like a spear, 
or you could throw it and reel it back to you. But then there's that nice like risk reward of missing your target or even hitting your target, getting it stuck and then having something else attack you. So yeah. Maybe it's so much or more God powerful forbid, if pulling you your it. target that's far yeah, away right. close to you. <laughs> yeah, that could be really cool. I I almost want this in uh in Bloodborne now. Yeah, I would play the harpoon class for sure. Anyways, that's uh that's enough time on that one. Let's come up with a name for this watery world that we've created. Man, there's got to be something that we can do with the should you should we do deep souls or something like that? <laughs> Let's let's see. We we can keep the deep. We can uh, we can do deep hurting, which is a reference back to uh, mystery science theater. There's there's probably better deep fear or deep fear is good. Deep fear, okay. Deep fear is good if especially if you make underwater that that feeling of just because there's so much water, everything that's down there has gotten so large and imposing yeah. and threatening. Ooh, man. Um, yeah, deep fear is cool. Cool. Well, Deep Fear, that is Spencer Saunders, Deep Fear. Anyways, that's uh, that was a pitch from our community, as we regularly hear on every episode. We are just about out of those right now. So if you have an idea that you would love to have read, discussed, dissected, and workshopped on the show, then uh, please do send it into playwrightcast.com slash pitch or email us at playwrightcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at playwrightcast. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, from the album Blue Noise. It's very good, and you can get to it from the About section of playwrightcast.com while you're leaving your pitch or whatever you like to do while you're there. Well, Q, why don't you take us out of the show today with a miniature idea? My miniature idea is actually from a very strange website I stumbled upon this past week that is a startup idea generator. Hmm. And this is actually a perfect idea for a video game. It sounds very strange. Uber for babysitters. All right. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.